1: It. Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, and all that kinds of shit. Come and join Ozzy and myself. Visit osbornmediahouse.com to get special access to. Come to, on! What do you say? Do you think it's the wildest show on the internet? Oh. <laughs> Warning This episode contains foul language, a smidge of politics, and spooky predictions. Listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we get to hang out and chat about something weird, and this week we are opening our third eye, pulling out our scrying board, and discussing prophecies. I think it's fair to say that most of us uh, listening and, you know, talking on this podcast believe that there are people who experience psychic abilities, whether they are sensitive to a part of the world that we can't see, or they are receiving messages from a giant bug-shaped man, Or maybe they are just experiencing a moment of collective consciousness. But there are some people that are downright famous just for seeing the future. And there are some prophecies that just don't quite hold up to scrutiny. (laughs) My name is Ashley and this is my co-host Lauren. Hi, weirdos. And today we're going to share with you our two very different experiences researching this episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very different. And I kind of love it.
1: (laughs) I know. I mean, you said it best earlier when we were texting. You said sometimes the notes tell us what our topics will be.
0: 100%. We set out thinking we're going to cover one thing, but as we do our research and start collecting notes, all of a sudden we're like, hey, I'm going in a completely different direction than I thought.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because I was feeling kind of self-conscious because my research took me in such a drastic change of direction. But you're right. Like sometimes the episodes that we set out to research and discuss end up morphing the more we learn while we study and it changes the contents of the entire episode.
0: Right. And that's not a bad thing. Like I'm so looking forward to everything you're going to cover today in this new way. And yeah, I thought I was going to be talking about multiple prophets today, and I'm only talking about one because he just had a whole lot to say. <laughs> My notes just kept going and going, and I yes. was like, all right, here we are. It's just this dude.
1: He is also the most famous one, so you've got that yeah. going for you. Yeah, listeners, yeah, we, sure. we our plan was to cover so many different prophets, prophecies, seers, et cetera. Turns out that's not what happened, uh, but we still have a really good episode for you. I remember this kind of happened for me when we did um, on the mysterious Mister Voynich episode because I was so sure that I was going to debunk <laughs> that dumb old book.
0: <laughs> yep, you thought wrong,
1: but I couldn't. I like could not find anything to to prove that that book was was fake. Except for that? a couple people saying, like, it's fake. And it's like, okay, well.
0: Okay, but why? Show but me But why more. and
1: how? And, like, why is it faked and who faked it?
0: Oh, my gosh. That book is nuts. I just forgot until you reminded me in this moment. And I, yeah, we could not think of a way to explain it. We were all just looking at each other completely dumbfounded. Like, uh, who? What? Like, I guess aliens left this book for us. I guess so. That's the only explanation. <laughs>
1: Um, before we get into the episode today, I wanted to say thank you so much to our 50 patrons. We have 50 patrons. That is
0: crazy town. I I'm know. applauding. Thank Let you, guys. You, you are all so
1: amazing. Shout out to our newbies, Anthony Villarde, Taylor, Philip Christian, Katie Castellano, Desiree, Savannah Leader Cruden, and Don McBride, who has been a patron for several months, but just bumped up her patronage and is uh, hopefully enjoying her newsletters right now. And I'm so sorry, as per usual, if I mispronounced any of your names, please feel free to write in and be like, (laughs) it's pronounced like this, and I will correct myself on a later episode. We do our best. We do our best. (laughs) If you want to join our Patreon and donate to the show and get bonus episodes and newsletters and discounts on merch, just head over to www.patreon.com slash Podcast. Also, thank you again to all of our wonderful weirdos who are helping us out with our show notes
0: oh uh, seriously seriously such an amazing favor you're doing for us <laughs> uh, mostly for Ashley because so she's much anxiety on, like, about it the editing team and go has to comb through our audio all the time and you guys made her life so much easier yeah
1: you saved me you saved my sanity um and we haven't forgotten about you or the project we just kind of had to shift our focus for the past couple weeks yes um with everything that w- was going on and I'm sure that you're all up to date with the news and you know that it's, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and everything is is far from over. Um, uh-huh. But I wanted to remind you guys, you know, with these latest tragedies mixed with the pandemic and our governments and our citizens like absolutely careless and dangerous response to COVID-19, just make sure you're being extra nice to each other yes and patient Now's the time to love one with another each other yeah care and, for and one another sign off of social media when your heart and brain need a break and mm-hmm. you know eat the ice cream uh, despite how you <laughs> feel about your thighs it's all just like too much to handle right now and we care about you and we want you to be happy and healthy
0: yes Please care for yourselves and those around you and wear a freaking mask wear when a you going to public. Wear a mask. It's so fucking easy to wear a mask. It's so easy and you're doing it for others, even if you're not feeling sick and you're like, I'm fine, I'm not spreading anything. Like, But just be as cautious as you can for other people. Yeah. You don't want to get any of your droplets on people or your sneezes on people. Just protect yourself and others. It's so simple. It's not a big ask. We can all do it together.
1: Yeah. Um, and that's the thing, too. Still, even after the three months that we've had and, and more before that, before we actually got officially shut down, like, you know, there are still people that don't understand that wearing a mask isn't for yourself. It's for everyone else. Like, you wear the mask so that just in case you have it, you're a carrier because you don't actually show symptoms sometimes. Right.
0: Exactly. And
1: there are people who are like, there's people who are super carriers who could carry the bug with them for months.
0: Oh, gosh, that's so crazy.
1: And depending on where you are, like L.A. right now, every one person that has uh, COVID spreads it to two more. That's what they're averaging. Wow. And we have, you know, we have 3,660 new cases a day. Yeah. So double that and then double that and then double that. If those people that have this aren't wearing a mask, it's just it's going to get out of hand. And there are people who will die from this. Um, right. And you don't want that on your conscience.
0: Exactly. Knowing that you, you killed no idea.
1: someone's grandma or you killed someone like me who has like really horrible bronchial situation. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like you have no idea the people that you could be walking by day to day who have a compromised immune system or lung issues or anything. Like you just have no idea what their situation is. And it's so selfish to just go out in the world without a mask on and think, that you're superior to everyone and you don't need it it's to protect others and to not be selfish for two seconds
1: for two seconds i also though i have to say i have to start taking my own advice because my anxiety has been through the fucking roof really like i'm not sleeping i'm having chest pains um i know a lot of it has to do with like the pandemic and and the state of the world in general, but we can't help that there's a pandemic and we can't help the systemic racism but that's ingrained in our entire country. Like everyone's a little bit responsible for it because, you know, that's how it got this way. But like there's nothing that I, Ashley Cassidy, can like do to fix that problem from my bedroom
0: right now. Right.
1: But I think that what's causing me so much anxiety is being on social media and seeing how many people are just hateful mm-hmm. about it and also seeing how many people again like you said are just like willy-nilly going out in the world without a mask because like i've been in here for three months and i'm not like other i can't go to the grocery store i can't do anything i have to just stay here i yeah. got to drive to get my car washed the other day and that was yeah. the first thing i've done, and. The reason that we shut down—if everyone had done what they were told, if everyone had stayed home and wore a mask and blah 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 blah—there's a chance to actually like stop this thing. It's not impossible,
0: right? And but no one did. We just did. can't count on everybody, <laughs> and nobody listened.
1: So now I'm Ugh. I'm I'm at this point where it's like I don't know when I'm ever gonna get to leave. Like eventually, because yeah. like at this point, like I've lost my job. Yeah, I and so like eventually i'm going to have to leave and i'm just gonna have to like hope
0: yeah hope for the best which is so scary and terrible
1: yeah whereas like two a month and a half ago when i still had faith in garcetti and humankind i was like you know what give it like two more months and you know we'll we'll have this under control and i can go out there i'll be safe enough and now it's like i don't fucking know when i can leave right I have no everybody idea.
0: messed it up so badly it's only getting worse in la it seems like oh and yeah it's so embarrassing because new york which was like the epicenter for it where everything was crazy their numbers are going down now and ours are skyrocketing and it's like well ours are we're up- the new yeah we're the new crazies
1: ours are up 21 percent right now yeah so. anyways it's so- very
0: frustrating
1: I'm feeling pretty hopeless lately and I don't really know how to turn it around, but I'm just trying to... I was telling Lauren earlier, I got a new scrubber for my shower.
0: And that (laughs) is exciting. That brings Scrubbing
1: everything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, and I do think... I think taking the social media breaks is good and I know we do a decent amount of social media for the podcast and we like to be on there, you know, providing the comedy with our memes and keeping you guys posted on our updates and stuff, but... I think also we have to know when to unplug and say we need a break for our own mental health, too, because everyone's going through this and everyone understands that we have to have those moments. So we may have to have, you know, a little of unplugging to help our anxiety go back down. That's okay.
1: Yeah, it's rough right now because of everything that's happening, you know, our news cycle is that like if you don't get online for two hours, you've missed something,
0: yeah. You've missed a new story. You've missed yeah. a new breakthrough. Yeah. It's you've crazy missed a new it's
1: stupid fucking thing. Our president has said like you've you've missed something. So it's like a constant checking in to be like, what's happening now? Right. What's happening now? And it's like, maybe I should just throw my phone in the river
0: seriously i want to throw my phone off the balcony eight times a day i'm like alex will just tell me if the world's on fire it'll be fine yeah i should
1: just get my information from joe so anyways guys take care of yourselves i'm gonna try and take that advice too and take better care of myself and until then we can do this we can uh we can at least distract ourselves with today's topic and uh lauren's going first
0: Yes, I'm gonna jump in to the most famous seer without a doubt on the planet. It sounded like I said singer, but I said seer. I said it (laughs) in a weird way. Here's the thing we don't know. He might be be a singer. He is, you're gonna know his name immediately. His name is Nostradamus. I was gonna say, don't leave us hanging. I know. (laughs) It's like such a big reveal, even though it's not because I feel like we've told so many people we're going to talk about this. But (laughs) you guys have written in and requested this man so many times and for good reason, because he's fascinating. So we're finally going to talk about him. And like I said before, my plan was to talk about a bunch of different seers and prophets, but he was just so fascinating to me, I decided to focus on him. And what I thought was cool was As famous as he is, I talked to both my husband and then a few of our close friends just kind of trying to get a gauge and saying, hey, I think we're going to do this episode on prophecies and I want to talk about Nostradamus. What do you know about him? And everyone sort of said the same thing. like, I know that he had these visions and he had these prophecies, which many believe to have come true in big world events. But I don't exactly know, like, what's true and what's false. I don't know his history. I don't know where he was from, yada, yada, yada. Like, so many people just didn't know who he was beyond this very famous name that's attached to these crazy little poetic visions that he put out in the world. So that was kind of the agreement. And same for myself. I did not know a ton of his background. So I thought in a semi-summarized version, so I'm not going on and on for hours, I would give you guys kind of his history and his story. I would like to And then we'll get in... Yes, I thought it was really interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't know much about like his life at
0: all. Right. Who is this guy? Where's he from? What's What's his deal? What's this guy's deal? What was his first vision? What got him started? So I decided to dive into all of that. And then, of course, we're going to get to some of his crazy predictions. What's true? What's false? All the goods, guys. Don't even worry. So. This dude was born the, with the name Michel de Nostredame in December of 1503 so mm, living back in it's the a 1500s good year some really good wines came out of that <laughs> year i have a good 1503 sitting in my kitchen Um, No, he was born in September 1503. He was one of nine children, and he was born to a family of Jewish descent. Now, Nostradam's grandfather, Guy Gassonet, which is probably the incorrect pronunciation, G-A-S-S-O-N-E-T, he actually converted to Catholicism and changed the family name to Nostradam to avoid persecution during the Inquisition. Which, for those of you, if you don't know, the Inquisition was when the Catholic Church was trying to find anyone who didn't believe exactly what they believed or behaved, not how they wanted them to behave, and they decided to torture these people, imprison them, or put them to death. They were mostly on the hunt for Jewish and Muslim people, so changing names was a huge thing for families to do to kind of avoid that and not be accused of heresy. So... His great-great-grandfather changed their name to Nostradam, and that was that. They sounded like they were a good Catholic family. So little is known about Michel de Nostradam's childhood, but evidence indicates that he was very intelligent and advanced through school very quickly. He loved Latin, Greek, Hebrew, and mathematics, as most little kids do. Of course. <laughs> it's <laughs> your normal doesn't? hobbies. <laughs> and it's believed that his grandfather was the one that introduced him Um, to astrology and celestial sciences and also the ancient rites of Jewish tradition, kind of showing him his heritage and saying, hey, even though we're trying to hide this right now, don't forget where you came from. So he taught him all the goods, but really got Michel into astrology, which was his first exposure to this idea of the heavens and how they could possibly connect to human destiny. So he got hooked on this idea and it carried him through his whole life from a very young age. He turns 14 and he's able to enter the University of Avignon to study medicine because he was a little super genius, but he was forced to leave after only one year because of the outbreak of the bubonic plague. Guys, plague then, plague now, look at us go.
1: Yeah, he went through a lot in his life, it looks like, it sounds like. He did.
0: He had a whole lot going on. Yeah, he got the the Inquisition, he had the plague. You got the plague. You got it all happening. Um, so when he had to leave school because of the plague he began to travel through the countryside he started researching herbal remedies and then started to work as an apothecary which he did for many years and in 1522 he entered the university of montpellier to complete his doctorate in medicine. But he only lasted there a year because a lot of the Catholic priests that were teaching there did not like all of his ideas about astrology and the stars above us being able to interact in our lives and all of that stuff. They thought he was trying to concoct some black magic. They were just not into it. So they actually expelled him after a year Um, but that didn't faze him because he was very smart. He, you know, he had a lot on his own without the school. So he left school and continued to work on medicine and was still an apothecary, despite what anybody told him. Um, so he left school and then in 1525, he Latinized his name, which is a lot of, that was a lot of what the medieval academics were doing. It was very normal to change your name. So he went from Nostradam to, as we know him, Nostradamus. And the singer, began the work. famous singer, <laughs> the famous singer, as I mentioned before,
1: Nostradamus. I'm just waiting for like the next loved. season of The Masked Singer when they unmask <laughs> him, and it's like it's Nostradamus. Like, how did we not hear
0: it? I knew it was gonna be Nostradamus in that glitter bunny costume. I just knew <laughs> it all along. Dressed
1: as a corn cob. Go on.
0: <laughs> the dancing buttered corn cob. Um, So, yeah, he continued his medicine. Apothecary, he went on. Uh, He wasn't taking Nobody's shit. He's like, you guys want to expel me? Just watch me go. Watch me fly.
1: (laughs) You have no idea how
0: far (laughs) I can fly. (laughs) That's right. They really didn't. Nobody knew how far this guy was going to go. Over the next several years, he was traveling through France and Italy, treating victims of the plague. There was no known remedy at this time. This is like 1525, 1526. Um, There was no known remedy, but most doctors were relying on using potions made of mercury and dressing patients in garlic-soaked robes. And that was pretty much all they were doing as they were working on finding some sort of cure, and nothing was working. So then Nostradamus comes around, and he uh, starts practicing just effective hygiene, which sounds so simple, but that is how horrible this plague was and how stupid the doctors are being. Nobody was even cleaning these people because... There was a little bit of fear, which I guess I get to some extent, like they didn't have enough protection, they didn't want to touch these people too much. But there's just like rotting dead bodies in the street and the people who are sick are not getting bathed and not getting proper care. So he's going in and he's helping with the removal of infected corpses from the street which shockingly nobody had done he starts cleaning these people and teaching them effective hygiene so they can actually take the tools with them and learn to clean themselves even while being sick And he also came up with a rose pill, which was an herbal lozenge made of rose chips, which happened to have a lot of vitamin C in them. And this was providing huge relief for the patients. So yes, there was still no cure, but these people were actually starting to feel a little more human again and kind of starting to come back to life because he was making these rose lozenges. Um, His cure rate was impressive for people who had very mild cases. He was able to you know, like I said, normalize them and bring them to a living state so that they could go about their normal lives and be with their families. But a lot of it besides the rose pill just had to do with them being clean, learning to eat low fat diets and just having fresh air and not being trapped in their homes. So he was taking very simple ideas that nobody else would. And everyone was like, hey, I love this dude. He actually came in and helped us. Where has he been? Did
1: you so, watch The Great yet?
0: No, okay. I knew you were going to ask me that and I was already prepared to be <laughs> yelled at because you told me about it last week, but I just haven't. Had no, the time. it's
1: really good. But there's there's one scene where um, one of the characters in the show gets the the pox and, and the smallpox and, and basically, you know, what they would do is just burn the bodies. That's what yeah. they would do at the time. There was in Russia. Like there was no like, well, let's try and treat them unless they were royalty or if they were like on the court. They would attempt to treat them. But if they were the servants, um, they would literally just kill them and burn them. Um, Ugh, and there was so one horrible. scene where, you know, Catherine is like, well, what do you mean? Like, we're not going to we're not going to kill him. Like, he's my boy. He's my servant. Like, there has to be a treatment. And they're like, well, try place placing something red around the body like oh. that was a literal treatment It was like place red objects near his body because they wow <laughs> they just How like is that a thing especially then they were like not advancing in medi- medicine at all
0: Ugh. it's um, so wild to hear stories like that that I there was know. just nothing nobody was no. doing anything
1: they weren't trying and then yeah they there were things like i remember i remember reading about this when i was younger but um There were things like basically the the treatment was a vaccine. It's the same thing we do today, but you would take pus from a victim and you would drink it, which sounds really gross. But you basically put a little bit in your system, your body learns how to fight it off, and then you're immune.
0: I mean it is yeah it's the exact same concept as a yeah. vaccine but it just sounds But of course so people ind- are like nope disgusting.
1: not even gonna try it. <laughs>
0: nope.
1: So anyways. Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah that's, yeah, that's just so wild. Take a bath and go outside. Yeah exactly. Let me clean you and then get some fresh air and maybe don't eat horribly fatty things. Like that's still good advice today. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, So Nostradamus became a local celebrity because of this, because he's saving people left and right, and everyone's appreciative. They're even showing financial support to him. He's starting to make a pretty good living off of this because he just decided to help these people. So in 1531 in southwestern France, he actually gets brought on to work with a leading scholar of the time named Jules César Scaliger. And in the same time he was married, he had two children, And life seemed to be going well for him, but sadly, it took a turn very quickly. He went to the top of the hill and then came right back down because in 1534, his wife and children died because of the plague. He happened to be away traveling on a medical mission in Italy, and he was not able to get back in time to save them or show them any of the treatments that he'd been working on. So they all died of the plague, which was what he was currently treating, which... Not only was horribly depressing for him to lose his entire family, of course, but he actually got fired by the scholar, Scaliger that he was working with and basically lost all of his notoriety in the community because people thought, well, you couldn't even save your family. I don't trust anything that you're putting out there anymore. And he pretty much lost everything in that moment. So it was horrible. You feel so bad for this man because, of course, he would have done something if he could, but he was away. So he kind of disappeared for a little bit, Um, I think was still trying to practice medicine in some way, but it was a lot more quiet. He probably only had like a few patients here and there close by. But a few years later, around 1538, uh, he made an offhanded remark about a religious statue that resulted in charges of heresy. The Inquisition found him and he was ordered to appear before the church. He wisely chose to leave town and get the hell out of Dodge (laughs) so that he wouldn't have to face. (laughs) Yeah, he did not want to face the church. He got out of there. So he went to Italy, Greece, and Turkey to travel about. And he was going um, to all these different schools in the areas. And they were called Ancient Mystery Schools was all I could find on them. I know. I think they actually had titles, but the way that they were referred to in all the articles I found were just ancient mystery schools. They okay, were all well, very that shrouded sounds like
1: mystery. my new goal.
0: That's where I would like to study, <laughs> so if anyone can find one of these spots. So he's touring around all these different countries and schools, and while he was doing some of his studies there, it is believed that this is when he experienced his first psychic awakening and realized he had a calling for so much more, and these schools were his people, and this is where he's been wanting to be his whole life. So he says that... During his travels in Italy, he came upon a group of Franciscan monks, and he was able to point to one of the men and identify them as the future pope. The monk's name was Felice Peretti, and he was later ordained as Pope Sixtus V in 1585, fulfilling the exact prediction of Nostradamus. And this was most likely, not 100% sure, but most likely his first successful prophecy, his first prediction happening over in Italy. So... He's there for a few more years just exploring these lovely ancient mystery schools and feeling that he had stayed away long enough to get away from the Inquisition. He decides to go back to France and resume his practice of treating plague victims. And then in 1547, back in his hometown in France, he does meet another woman, a widow named Anne, and together they had six children, three boys and three girls. Um, but I'm just happy for him. He was able to find love again. He's back in his hometown in France. He's practicing medicine again. Got to have a psychic awakening like he is back on top after some bad years, and I'm happy for my boy.
1: He really um, pulled himself up by his bootstraps.
0: He sure did, you know, Mm -hmm. and it just took running away from the damn Inquisition. (laughs) He needed that little Kick in the butt. He actually even published two books on medical science by this time, and one of them was a medical cookbook for treating the plague, and it also taught the preparation of different cosmetics that could work and help heal you. So he was giving people the tools they needed, still being a great guy, got his life back up and running again. So... He decides after he puts these books out, he kind of thinks, okay, so I've given everything what they need to treat the plague. I don't necessarily have to keep treating people um, with my own medicine anymore. I think I want to go towards the world of the occult, which, again, I hear that and I read that and I say, that's my boy. I just keep (laughs) loving him more and more. (laughs) So he began studying meditation and he would spend hours night after night meditating in front of a bowl filled with water and herbs. What
1: have I and- said to all of you? <laughs> I
0: know. You literally say to meditate. Do all the damn time. you want to be the next Nostradamus? <laughs> all it takes is some meditation, <laughs> some water and, some, and herbs, some herbs y'all. Get them herbs. So the meditation would last hours and hours every night, and the meditation is what is said to have brought on his uh, visions. It would bring him into a very deep trance and then bring on visions of the future. And in 1550, Nostradamus wrote his first almanac of astrological information and predictions for the coming year. And I'm sure most of us have heard of almanacs, but especially in the 1500s, almanacs were extremely popular, providing useful information for... Mostly farmers, but also merchants um, around the town and contained everything they needed to know about, you know, weather predictions, astrological predictions for the year. But also they would have little bits of entertaining stories and some local folklore for people to enjoy. And he was adding his astrological predictions and some fun, entertaining bits as his piece to the almanac. So what I love about this is I'm imagining the almanac to be like our modern day... It's our 17 or Cosmo magazine (laughs) where we have our horoscopes to read. Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's kind of what he was adding. Like, hey, I'm going to tell you guys some stories about astrology. And in the back, there's a
1: quiz to tell you which boy from 90210 you would marry.
0: (laughs) Which sex position is your favorite. (laughs) So he's putting in all of his fun celestial info and really having a good time with it. He began writing about his visions and incorporating them into his first almanac. And when he finally published it, it received a great response. People were obsessed and it spread his name all over France. This almanac was getting passed around left and right. Everyone thought you have to read this guy's predictions. You have to read what he's saying about the town, what he says is going to happen in the sky. This guy is awesome. So he's becoming really famous and he's asked to start writing more. So this basically becomes his soul work. Again, he's kind of walked away from medicine now and all of his little herb pills he was passing out to everybody. And he has turned to this. He's all about astrology. And he starts channeling all of his energies into writing one big opus that he originally was going to call Centuries, which would be 10 volumes and contain 100 predictions forecasting the next 2000 years. Wow. In, in 1555, he finally published it, and it ended up being called Les Prophéties, or as Americans know it, and as everyone buys it offline, cause it's still being published today, The Prophecies. So this is still able to be read. It's been translated a million times. It's in every language right now. It is one of the most famous publications out there. Nostradamus, as we keep saying, is the most famous seer, the most famous prophet that's out there. So it is a collection of all of his major long-term predictions. And he wanted to avoid any more persecution from the Catholic church or the Inquisition when he wrote this. So he devised this method of sort of hiding the prophecies or any inkling that they might be, you know, heading towards some sort of black magic or be from the devil by using these little four line verses. They're almost like little poems called quatrains. And they're a mixture of other languages such as Greek, Italian, Latin, and Provençal, which is a dialect of southern France. And he threw this all together into these little four-line poems. And that is how every prophecy is written out in the book. If any of you have seen a Nostradamus uh, prediction online, or if you've read the book, because maybe some of you have, you'll see them all written that way, little tiny poems. So... It is believed that he never faced persecution for, or was charged of heresy by the Inquisition because he didn't extend his writings to the practice of magic, and he was never found out to be doing anything other than writing little poems right. to people. It's so like, he was it's never found out. Exactly. Like, nobody looked further into it. He actually ended up being pretty well-liked by the Catholic Church. So he had no issues. He was left alone. Thank goodness. But... Nostradamus did run into some controversy with any others, unfortunately, because there's always going to be them haters. You know, there's always a few. If you are doing something right and you're putting your work out in the world, this is true of today for social media influencers and anybody podcasters. who's out there. Podcasters. Us. Anyone putting themselves on the line, putting them whole, their whole selves out there, you're going to get judgment. You're never going to be liked by anybody. So some people were coming forward and saying, we think you are a servant of the devil. Um, others said he was just a huge phony, a huge fake. And others said he was completely insane and needed to be locked up because he had lost it. But for the most part, the majority of people actually really believed his prophecies. And they believed that he was being spoken to either by God or any type of higher power, some spiritual higher power. They truly thought he was ordained in this special way. And he was receiving messages from another world, another something or other, you know, like they just there was a higher power that was helping him yeah. out. So he became famous and in demand by many people across France. Um, one of the first famous people that he caught the eye of was Catherine de' Medici, and she was the wife of King Henry the Second. And she was one of his biggest admirers. She immediately brought him over to their town and said, after reading your almanacs, I need to know more. Some of your almanacs hinted that we may be about to be threatened. Like she read into something that he published uh, as she read into it as to say that her family was going to be threatened in some way. So she immediately had him come over and she's like, Hey, you have to help me out. Where are these threats coming from? Can you protect my children? So he kind of became her right-hand man. Uh, She had him draw up horoscopes for her and her children. And then a few years later, he was officially named the official counselor and physician to King Henry's court. So he moved up real fast. Now he's in a palace. He's serving royalty. He's their right-hand person.
1: That's also, here's the thing, like, that's, like, baller, and it's, like, awesome, but that's also such a scary position to be in. So scary. Because. It's risky. It's very risky. Because, like, say you have bad news for them, like, how are they going to take it? Or, like, say you're wrong about something, like, really big. Like, are you going to get beheaded? (laughs)
0: You're 100% going to get beheaded. That's what's so risky about it. Like, yes, you're helping them. Originally, that's the intent. But yeah, if you give them one piece of bad news or say something they're not expecting, like, you don't know what's about to happen. I know. So it's terrifying. It's stressful. I would have been so scared to be called by Catherine, especially because she was like, hey, my family's being threatened. What are you going to do about it? Like, yeah. He had so much on his shoulders in that morning, uh, in that moment. I can so, write
1: you some sonnets.
0: Yeah. He's like, hey, here's some horoscopes, kids. But yeah, he officially joined the Royal Squat. And in 1556, while he was serving there, he explained another prophecy that he actually had written in his first copy of The Prophecies, his big book. It was in one of the first chapters. And he realized as he was getting to know King Henry that he believed it to be about him. So he started to explain what he heard. And I'll actually read his little four-line quatrain um, of what it said and then tell you what actually happened. So it read, The young lion will overcome the older one. On the field of combat in a single battle, he will pierce his eyes through a golden cage. Two wounds made one, then he dies a cruel death. So, like, not a great thing. (laughs) But lines to remember, there's a young lion and an older one, a field of combat, an eye will be pierced through a golden cage, two wounds made one, and dying a cruel death. Those are, let's remember those. So what actually happened? In the summer of 1559... This is a couple of years later now, since the initial warning from Nostradamus, when he said, Hey, King Henry, like I think this is about you and something's gonna happen to you. And the king's like, nah, I'm fine. 1559, King Henry II uh is lined up in a jousting competition against a man named Gabriel de Montgomery. Now, King Henry the France was about King Henry II, I just said King Henry the France, <laughs> I'm losing it. King Henry II was about six years older than Gabriel Montgomery, so the older lion, you could say. Um, The tournament was held to celebrate the upcoming wedding of the king's daughter, so both men are lined up to joust. Everybody's watching. They both have lions on their shields. In their final pass, Montgomery's lance is tilted up, and it bursts through the king's poorly secured visor, which could be the golden cage, and goes into his eye, piercing the eye through the golden cage. Its splinters from the lance enter the king's eye and his throat. Two wounds made one. Despite the best efforts of royal surgeons, Henry II experienced agonizing pain, seizures, and even partial paralysis. And then 11 days later, he died. Oh, wow. The cruel death. So literally every line of that quatrain came true. Like, it was the most accurate thing that could have been written. And it was exactly what he warned King Henry of, but he didn't listen. And he died... From that jousting competition, so pretty dang accurate, Nostradamus. Also, that was a good one. Kings
1: used to be so much cooler. Like, can you imagine <laughs> a king, or like, say, like a president or a ruler today jousting? Like, they would no. they build gates, and yes they-, they build <laughs> gates around their
0: house, and they hide in their bunker. They don't go to. Jousting competitions.
1: Obama played basketball, and even that was like, can you believe the president went out and played basketball today? Like he could have hurt his ankle.
0: I know. Isn't it funny that we thought it was so nuts that President Obama enjoyed being athletic? Like we shouldn't think that way about our leaders. Why can't they go to I know. a jousting No, like here's competition the thing. Like
1: obviously it didn't work out sometimes. Um yeah, but unfortunately. it's just interesting that like that part of being and and the thing is is like kings it's not like they were appointed or anointed or whatever appointed um you know they're born into it so like what are they supposed to do not joust but at the same time it's like (laughs) when's the last time a ruler like that existed
0: yeah exactly i wish we could see more of that out of our our rulers and our leaders i want to see some fun competitions Anyways. I don't want anyone to get a splinter in their no. iron throat, but I'm I mean, hoping we can find ways around there's that. There's a couple rulers that could yeah, there might be use a splinter in their iron throat. there might be one or two but... that could use a splinter to knock them down a peg or two, but that's true. So, yeah, King Henry, he's dead, and Nostradamus <laughs> predicted he's it. He's <laughs> He's real dead, and Nostradamus <laughs> named it, named every part of that death, wow. he said it. So, of course, everyone is freaking out like, oh, you predicted this, you called this, you said it forever ago. So it only, you know, makes him look even better. So Nostradamus is still super famous, everybody using him for his visions. But there were a few scholars, both in the time and in the world today, there's still so many people that are. Judging him for what he did at the time, because they believe that he was just paraphrasing ancient end of world prophecies, mainly found in the Bible, which I know you'll be discussing later. Yes. And then through astrological readings of the past, and he was combining these and just projecting them into the future. So basically, they were criticizing him saying, you took horrible... um natural events that happened in the past or horrible deaths or, you know, things that were happening across the world from the past, you looked at what astrological signs were happening that day and you made that same prediction for the future for when those same astrological signs were lined up or when the planets were going to be lined up a certain way, you'd put that in the almanac and say, history is just going to repeat itself. So that is what he is accused of most from scholars is that these visions were total hoax and he was just taking his really in-depth knowledge of astrology and saying, well, history usually repeats itself. These past events may happen again when all of these things are lined up perfectly. So that is how I'm getting my horoscopes and that's how I'm predicting the future. But he says no. He says he was genuinely having visions that astrology did play a part, especially when he was writing the almanac, because, of course, that's like how you write the almanac. I mean, but that's that, how you write
1: he- today's almanacs. Exactly. So he's like,
0: of course, of course, I use my astrology and I use my studies all of the time, sometimes even to help other people. But I do have these genuine visions. And how would astrology have told me that King Henry II is going to die by getting a splinter in his eye? Like there, you are not making the full connection. So he's criticized all the time, both back in the day, um, prof- other professional astrologers that he worked side by side with sometimes were all like, not feeling you, dude. But you're all, again, you're always going to have your skeptics. And I always choose to believe as you all know listening to this podcast and as ashley knows so i'm team nostradamus i think he had a talent i think he had a power i'm into it yeah you're always
1: gonna have skeptics and you're always gonna have haters but you're also gonna have people who are i mean i guess that's the definition of a hater but like just jealous
0: yes because 100 uh, can
1: you name another astronomer from that time
0: no yeah i cannot I got nothing. Like, yeah, they were probably jealous of the success he was having, how Mm -hmm. famous he was, and how, you know, he was working for the royal family. Like, he had it made over there. That's some high school shit, guys. I know. You petty. But even though he was so famous, another thing that I think is so cool about him is he still liked to be shrouded in mystery. Like, he never talked too much about exactly what he did in his meditations, you know, he talked about having the bowl of water and the herbs, but he wouldn't go too much into exactly how he meditated. He wouldn't go into exactly what his astrology studies were, you know, leading him to find and how they were aiding in the visions and how the two of those connected. He did always keep a little mystery about him. And that's what I liked. And he'd never wrote a memoir. And he was able to just kind of say, yeah, like, this is my thing. Nobody else is going to do it my way. And I'm going to sprinkle a little magic here and there so i kind of liked that, that yeah he stayed it was mysterious. sort of like a
1: take it or leave it it's like prove it yeah. it's like i don't have to like you can I, I believe it or not anything.
0: i don't know exactly he just <laughs> i'm tired kind of ignored the hater <laughs> my
1: entire family died from the plague and i survived the uh, inquisition i'm tired
0: I know. let me this live guy. my
1: days in this palace that i've He's been invited just- to because I'm cool. He's just
0: been through it. He deserves this good treatment. Yeah, he's cool as hell. So I love that he never had to show the receipts, never had to show proof. He's like, (laughs) here I am. I know, I love the idea of showing receipts in the 1500s. He didn't have to show nothing. He was like, this is me. So, of course, coming to the end of his life, Nostradamus suffered from gout and arthritis for Mm. most of his adulthood. And in the, yeah, In the what? In the last years of his life, the condition turned into edema or dropsy, as some call it, and abnormal amounts of fluid would start to accumulate beneath his skin or within cavities of the body. And without treatment, this condition almost always resulted in congestive heart failure, which is what happened for him. So in late June of 1566, before he died... Um, he asked his lawyer to draw up an extensive will, leaving much of his estate to his wife and children. And then on the evening of July 1st, he is alleged to have told his secretary, you will not find me alive at sunrise. And indeed, the next morning, he was reportedly found dead, lying on the floor next to his bed. So the heart failure hadn't even come into play yet. It That is how he ended up dying and that's how it was found but he just knew his death was coming and he had to get all of his affairs in order got the will together told his secretary and there he was dead so even his death was a prediction can
1: you imagine though if it wasn't if he was like you'll find me dead tomorrow and then the next morning he was like
0: uh oh i'm still here tomorrow evening (laughs) You didn't hear me correctly. I said tonight I said, at 11 p.m. 11:35. 11 <laughs> or he's laying on the <laughs> ground, face down, with his eyes closed, but like one eye open. Yeah. like, oh, damn it, they saw him. Son me. of a bitch. I thought for damn, sure. Could it was you tell be I was tonight? breathing? <laughs> uh, no, he died. Okay. He did it. Well. Um, but no, he lived he lived a very long life, especially for that time, and he lived a very fruitful life. He accomplished a lot, so good on him. Um, okay, so that was his life, but let's jump into some of his predictions. Let's get into the meat of everything. We um already talked about King Henry, which was one of the Wild. bigger ones, and also him yeah, and also him predicting that monk becoming the Pope. Um, another very popular one of his was the Great Fire of London. So this one is a little looser, but it's believed pretty much far and wide and connected to this. So the quatrain reads, the blood of the just will commit a fault at London. Burnt through lightning of 23s the 6, the ancient lady will fall from her high place. Several of the same sect will be killed. Now, in regards to the date, um, it is said in the quatrain 20 times 3 Or twenty three is the six, so twenty times three is sixty, and if you add six to that, you've got sixty six. Right, and the year of the fire was sixteen sixty six, September twenty, September second, sixteen sixty six. I can talk; (laughs) everything is fine. (laughs) So that is what people use with that number of twenty three is the six. They're thinking that it's pointing to the year, and it was a three day blaze, and. In regards to the same sect portion of the quatrain, Londoners blamed uh, the fire on Catholics and the Dutch, and a number of lynchings and attacks ensued while the city was on fire. So they think maybe the same sect was referring to them. They also believe that the same sect could also be um, attached to the ancient lady, which you could be calling London itself the ancient lady. So people are attaching the words however they sort of want, which is the story of all of Nostradamus's predictions and pretty much horoscopes in general or any kind of prophecy, you can make it what you want. Even just like
1: fortune cookies. It's like today you're going to have a pleasant surprise and it's like, what? And then it's not until like the end of the day that you're like, did I have a pleasant surprise? You know what? This could have been the pleasant surprise.
0: Totally. Like, well, this tiny little thing happened and this could have been it. Well,
1: I got my shower scrubber in the mail.
0: Uh-huh. That, that was, was a great pleasant <laughs> surprise.
1: Planned, but still,
0: <laughs> fortune I was I totally right. get that. Yeah. Yes, so people are connecting this one to the Great Fire of London, as loose as you think it is. Some of those lines do sort of line up, so that was that. Um, the French Revolution was a big one. I think this one seems to attach a little more. Um, the quatrain reads... From the enslaved populace songs, chants, and demands, while princes and lords are held captive in prisons, these will in the future, by headless idiots, be received as divine prayers. So, the revolution started with the storming of the Bastille in 1789 uh, to overthrow the monarchy. So, the third estate which would be the enslaved populace, uh, took control of Paris and forced their demands on royalty, the princes and lords referred to in the quatrain. Ultimately, the revolution, of course, turned bloody. um, And a lot of the traitors in the revolution were beheaded at the guillotine, the headless idiots that were referred to. That was like the most common way people were being killed if they were caught on the other side. Um, about 17,000 people were executed during all of this. 10,000 died in jail, which Squatrain also talks about being held captive in prison. A lot of those figures were, um, you know, part of the French Republic, but they were also aristocrats. So that could be referring to, it says both princes and lords are held captive in prison. So all of the chants and demands and the songs, that was all, you know, the young revolutionaries who were crying out. And then you can see the royalty that being held in prison and the headless idiots. So, in that one, that all kind of pans out really well for the French Revolution. That one adds up a little more. Can you hear the people sing singing Singing the songs songs of angry men? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we just sing Les Miserables all night long. (laughs) I know, that's what I think of every time. Uh, One day more. (laughs) Okay. Then there was a French man named Louis Pasteur, or Pasteur, I don't know exactly how you say it, but he was a guy. And there is a quatrain believed to be about him, and it reads, the lost thing is discovered, hidden for many centuries. Pasteur, P-A-S-T-O-R, so spelled differently than his last name, but Pasteur will be celebrated as a godlike figure. This is when the moon completes her great cycle, but by other rumors he shall be dishonored. So, people, this one is a little more of a stretch as well, but people believe that Pasteur is supposed to be like his last name, Pasteur. Right. And that Louis Pasteur is the man who will be celebrated because he is credited with discovering microbial decay, which is the lost thing discovered hidden for many centuries. And his breakthrough is credited with saving countless lives over the course of history, and he was looked at as a savior or godlike as it claims so a lot of people especially in france of course believe that this is connected to louis and that nostradamus knew he was going to come forward with this um then there's adolf hitler this fool um with this fool with a quatrain that reads from the depths of the west of europe a young child will be born he who by his tongue will seduce a great troop his fame will increase towards the realm of the east This one barely needs an explanation because, of course, he came from the west of Europe. He used his tongue to seduce the troops and all of the people. He was, yes, he was an amazing dictator. Like, he knew how to use his words. He knew how to charm his way and manipulate everybody. So very obvious that that could be pointing to Adolf Hitler. Um, And actually, I don't have all of them written down, but it's something you can easily Google. Nostradamus, I think, actually had two or three quatrains that all kind of point towards hitler this one was the most obvious but there's a few others that he uses germany in them battlefields and even at one point refers to someone named hister h-i-s-t-e-r which people believe was his way of nodding towards hitler but he just maybe didn't see the complete name but well that's the thing with like some
1: psychic uh even like modern day psychics would be like ah Something about a pastor, maybe because they're seeing pastor, <laughs> right. so they're like, maybe it's a church. I don't know, pastor, and then like finding right. out, like, oh, the victim's last name is Pasteur. right? It's exactly. like, well, okay, well, that makes sense. You know what I mean? So, yes, like, that, that could adds up. Be we get it. it.
0: Okay, let me get to some of the better ones because there's so many. Um, I won't read this one, but he also it looks like predicted the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Whoa. talking about, um. That there would be a famine and a plague, a famine within a plague, which happened the year after the bombing happened, and that a large fire would happen at the gates within two cities, which is exactly what happened. So that was another pretty good one. Um, He is believed to have predicted the assassination of John F. Kennedy and also of Bobby Kennedy a few years later um, by saying, The great man will be struck down in the day by a thunderbolt, an evil deed foretold by the bearer of a petition. According to the prediction, another falls at nighttime. And the great man is believed to be John F. Kennedy. The petition or the evil deed is believed to be the death threats that were coming through. Um, The president was gunned down. That's the thunderbolt. And then years later, at midnight, Bobby Kennedy was shot down, which is a little bit of the stretch. But people were sort of reaching to say that is Bobby Kennedy when he was shot down years later at nighttime at midnight. So that is supposed to be about the Kennedys. And then one of the more famous ones, getting closer to our lifetime, is nine eleven. And I must say first that a lot of people actually incorrectly quote Nostradamus for 9-11. There is an accurate um quatrain from his book of prophecies that could be pointing to 9-11. It's a little bit of a stretch, but absolutely could be, but people misquote him all the time. They take pieces of different prophecies and put them together and make Mm -hmm. their own little four-line rhyme and blast it out on social media as people do and say, this is what Nostradamus said. There's one that says like, two steel birds in the sky will rain fire on the earth. I remember seeing that one getting thrown around and I was like, wow, like how did Nostradamus know there were going to be airplanes? Mm -hmm. How did he know this was going to happen? And then it turns out if you go to Snopes or PolitiFact or any of these places. They're like, hell no, none of this is true. So his actual quatrain was earth-shaking fire from the center of the earth will cause tremors around the new city. Two great rocks will war for a long time, then will redden a new river. So it is believed the two great rocks are the two World Trade Center buildings. The new city is New York City, and then the buildings warring for a long time and then crash and redden a river, which I guess could be the, blood the amount of and death yeah. or however you want to interpret that. So the earth shaking fire from the center of the earth is the only line that's sort of like, okay, like you could have said something a little more specific about how they, how the buildings fell down. But again, nobody knew what airplanes were and who knows, but that is the one that is most associated to 9-11. It is actually a prophecy of his that was written. So the other ones have been debunked. And then I also, before I completely moved on, wanted to talk about his coronavirus prediction, which, again, has been incorrectly... No, come on, guys. ...going around the world. Ugh, it's so funny. So people have... I saw this on Facebook. I remember seeing it and being like, Nostradamus is at it again. So what people quoted was that he said, there will be a twin year, 2020, from which will arise a queen who will come from the east and who will spread a plague in the darkness of night on a country with seven hills and will transform the twilight of men into dust to destroy and ruin the world. So first of all, this is longer than his normal four lines. It's like six lines. And every, like a bunch of people took this quote and put in parentheses what they thought it was attaching to. So it's like twin year, 2020. Right. The queen, Corona. Corona. The East, China, the plague, the virus, the country with seven hills, Italy, like men turning into dust, death. So everyone's making these attachments. It got passed around everywhere at the beginning of this year, and everyone was quoting Nostradamus' Snopes and PolitiFact came forward and said no, no 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 this is false and now it's funny if you see this picture on Facebook it now has a flag next to it like even Facebook took action was like this is false information if you're passing this around it is only for humorous purposes at this point and it's a meme because this is all false so it has been shot down it was not written by Nostradamus it was put together by probably some man named Stephen in his basement and nobody knows. <laughs> Trevor from, from accounting. <laughs> Definitely Trevor from Accounting. But again, there is a prophecy that you is actually from Nostradamus and you could attach to the coronavirus if you really tried. Yeah, if you crossed so your this, eyes and <laughs> looked at it exactly. in the dark. <laughs> yeah. And this one is in the feeble lists great calamity through America and Lombardy, the fire in the ship, plague in captivity, Mercury in Sagittarius, Saturn warning. So to break this one down, I do kind of like this, because as we were saying, you and I both kind of like digging into conspiracy theories, and it's just fun to see what they're about. So I did kind of like this one. So the lines plague and captivity, obvious. We know what those are about. The feeble lists refer to the sick and the dead, America and Lombardy. Lombardy is a region in the north of Italy. So America and Italy, the two countries that had it the worst. So that's interesting um mercury entered sagittarius in december of 2019 which is mentioned in this and that's when the first cases of coronavirus occurred and saturn moved into aquarius on march 21st right as new york city was going into lockdown as for the fire in the ship that was mentioned, this could refer to the multiple cruise liners that have become stranded at sea during this crisis, and that includes the Grand Princess, which we heard endlessly about, that was docked in Oakland and had 21 confirmed coronavirus cases on board. So, once you break it down that way, you're kind of like, oh, hell yeah, Nostradamus predicted coronavirus.
1: Yeah, and also, I mean, the what was it, the fire in the ship?
0: What was the actual yeah. line? Yeah, that was it. Was the fire in the ship? The fire in the ship.
1: I mean, we're still going through it, so like that could right. be something that hasn't even happened
0: yet. Yeah. yeah, they're connecting it to the cruise liners, which yes makes sense, but there could be a ship on fire for all. Yeah, these.
1: an American submarine could be blown up in a couple right. of weeks. That's going to be a fire in a ship. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, exactly. it's not necessarily like, it something that's taken place yet.
0: Right. That is 100% correct as well. So we don't even know what's coming.
1: And for the CIA, FBI, NSA in- that's listening to this, uh, I have <laughs> no access to any weapons that could fire at a submarine, um, nor please do I know anyone her. with any weapons. So please um, delete that. It was that. totally delete hypothetical.
0: Please do not come after her. Um, She has a family of cats and a fiancé. Do not (laughs) come for her. (laughs) Yeah, so I just wanted to attach to that. If you see a meme going around where you see, like, the most literal coronavirus prediction to ever come out of anyone's mouth, it was not written by Nostradamus. It's a hoax. But the one that I just read to you is real. Keep it in your brain. Starts with the line, the feeble lists. And then I want to leave you with a prophecy that has not been fulfilled yet, so it means it could still be coming our way, and it sounds like a really good time, so I want to leave you with this before we move on. The year of the great seventh number accomplished, it will appear at the time of the games of slaughter, not far from the age of the great millennium, that's us, when the dead will come out of their graves. Oh, cool. So zombies are coming, guys. Get ready. And when is that supposed to be? It said the great seventh number in the beginning and not far from the age of the millennium. So the article that was quoting this prophecy said maybe 2027 was what they were gathering. Right. Years. So in seven years, uh there might be games of slaughter, which I also don't know what the Hunger hell that games? means, but I'm not about it. Yeah, apparently we're all going into Hunger Game style. And then zombies are going to come out and chase us. I mean. So everyone get pumped because Nostradamus has been right a few times. <laughs> that sounds. You know what?
1: Why not? Listen, I wouldn't be surprised if it was this year because this year just seems to never end. Um, And each month has a new like Jumanji
0: role. A new player. Yeah.
1: <laughs> a new player enters I... the game every single ye- every single month of this year. I'm over it.
0: That Did is one you... thing I appreciate of the internet so much is all the memes that come out that are like yes. meet June's player, and it's like, <laughs> like each month there was a new horrible thing. And June, I forget what they said at the beginning of June. It may have just been uh, racial injustice or something, but I thought maybe there was a marching different name. in the
1: streets or something. Right. I remember it was like murder um, hornets. I yeah, I saw the uh, this meme the other day, or it wasn't a meme. It was two tweets together, and one tweet was like. Uh, this season of Earth is like really out of control, and someone was yes. like, "Yeah, there's so many plot holes. Like, why did they introduce murder hornets and then completely forget about them?" <laughs> yeah,
0: I did see that one. <laughs> it's like they it's like wait, we need to were, like, circle now. Back we to have murder, murder
1: hornets? hornets, and it's like, oh wait, no one's ever seen one. Like, where are they?
0: That means they're just gonna appear at the finale, so everybody can be like, True. oh yeah, oh Remember yeah, they brought when they it came up. in episode four. <laughs> they're coming back. <laughs> Have you seen the meme of the aliens that all are like standing in a line and the caption is like, we're up next. And it looks like they're all about to go on stage <laughs> yeah. for the show.
1: <laughs> is everyone it's ready? It's so funny. Um, yeah, the, there was, I remember the Nostradamus stuff when 9-11 was happening. You know, that was a time where there wasn't social media, but there were chain emails. Yes. So I remember oh getting chain God, emails yes. about, uh, you know, like the the evil faces and the smoke around the buildings and that quote from mm-hmm. Nostradamus that was a little exaggerated. There's also a biblical reference that was really exaggerated. And I wish I could remember what the exaggerated one was. But this is the I, I just Googled this. This is the um, biblical line that is supposedly about nine eleven. Oh, gosh. Babylon the Great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. So, oh. yeah, so some people, I guess, believe that the fact that the fallen is mentioned twice is a reference to the fact that there are two towers, like two right. buildings two fall. Towers fell. Um, Mm -hmm. not only that, but I guess three times in the same chapter, St. John describes the desolation as happening in one hour. Um, it was verse 10. I don't even know what chapter it is, but it says verse 10. Uh, he writes, alas, alas, that that great city for in one hour, your judgment has come. But the thing is, and like people thought like the hated bird was a, was a plane, but
0: mm, (laughs) <laughs> yeah oh, no. I. this it's is a, a little, stretch yeah this one's it's a, a little bit of a stretch
1: this one's thin i remember the chain email being much more convincing than this actual <laughs> line
0: <laughs> those chain emails could really convince they me they could really like, like, fuck you up i have to forward days. this or i'm dead <laughs> yeah
1: forward this to 10 people or you'll she'll come to you in your
0: sleep like no problem right. exactly or the ones that were like your crush won't call you yeah
1: I couldn't forward an email to ten people today if I had a gun to my head. Like I don't have ten emails. I I have your email. I don't know if I do either. I have Joe's email.
0: We could send it to all of our different emails. So we have like, keep it weird weird. between us, our personal. (laughs) I have my peekaboo email. Um, I have a spam email just
1: for signing up for shit. (laughs) Joe's got one. Joe has two, actually. He has a Yahoo and a Gmail. So hold on. All right. We
0: got two from Joe. Alex has his work and his Gmail. We got two from
1: Alex. Hold on. Hold on. So mine, yours, peekaboo, keep it weird. My spam, Joe's two, Alex's two. We need one more.
0: Oh, shit. Uh, Who else do we know? Amy Hansman. Oh, your mom, Pam. Pam. We got it. But shout out out to Amy that that she was considered. We have 11.
1: We have 11. (laughs) We're good.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Don't ask me for another. I have none. And we have no friends. It's over. (laughs) That's Nostradamus, y'all.
1: Man, that's wild. I mean, his life is so fascinating. And like you said, like. Some of them are so specific that it's like holy shit what what else could he have been talking about and some of them are right. like yeah i mean you can you can yeah. really you can sort of put your anything. own stuff in i mean it works though and it totally these are works. all like major 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 world events too right
0: It still makes me excited that even if you have to stretch it a little bit and, you know, really (laughs) work your brain around it, the fact that it does eventually fit is still exciting and fun to me. So I really love looking into these prophecies. And as I mentioned before, I didn't even read them all because I already have just yammered on for an hour. So we (laughs) have plenty more to talk about. But I, yeah, he just has so many that are fascinating and especially the big ones like 9-11 where you're like, oh, shit, yeah, yeah. He was saying some things.
1: Yeah, I would like to go through, though, and read some. Maybe there's one on, like, Tanya Harding. Ooh, probably. maybe he predicts my new favorite show, 90 Day Fiance. Just kidding. My new favorite show is Before the 90 Days.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I bet he has something on Ed from Before the 90 Days. Big Ed, yeah. Big Ed. Like, he's got to have something on him. But yeah, guys, just go go look into Nostradamus. You'll find some great prophecies and you can really connect them to stuff going on in your life, to your favorite television reality show like Ashley's about to do. Like, go have fun. <laughs>
1: can you imagine <laughs> if you did go, like, on a deep dive for Nostradamus um, predictions and prophecies and you found one about you?
0: Wouldn't that be crazy? Like, it's spelling out your exact life. Yeah. And or, like, some
1: big event that happened to you personally. And it's like, that is too specific. Am I
0: important? (laughs) 19 years past the millennium, she birthed a wilder boy. And she spoke of the occult to her. I don't know. I was like trying to think of what I would think would be attached to me. I was trying to speak like a seer.
1: That was really good. I was like, she likes cottage cheese. And oh. she has oh, bangs. Oh, that's me. Oh, that's
0: me. <laughs> Ooh, that would be the end of it. So 19 days past the millennium, she birthed a wilder boy. She spoke of the occult to the woman with bangs. <laughs> 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 and ate lots of
1: cheddar. I don't know. You that's do it. like cheddar. That's one thing I love about you. Oh, I
0: really like the cheddar, I actually. Mean, I we'll wish find I could out quit once it once we
1: do. I wish I could quit it, but I can't. That's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Gosh, okay, so we weren't expecting this to be a two-part episode, but I didn't want to cut anything out of Nostradam Yasa's story, and as for next week, we had one of my favorite discussions we've ever had on the show, so I don't want to lose that either. I guess I'm being selfish. No, you guys will love it, and I'm excited for you to hear it. Next week, I'm going to be discussing my journey into biblical prophecies, and Lauren and I have a very authentic discussion about religion, and we get to talk about the end times. Is it happening right now? Find out next week. <laughs> that that actually sounds like a news program. Like, is there poison in your canned peas? Find out after the break. Like, what the fuck? No, tell me now, please. But I don't think it's going to happen in a week, so you'll find out more in seven days. Also next week, I'm going to be recording another episode with the lovely Scott and Pete of movies that made us gay. And you guys should get excited because we're going to be going crazy for frazy as we talk about Encino Man. One of my favorite movies. I'm not ashamed. Their episode next week is also a famous Frasier classic, The Mummy. So make sure you check that out if you're looking for a new podcast to binge, especially if you love hearing some behind the scenes stories about some of your favorite movies. Please follow us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast. We're on Facebook and Instagram mostly and we try to be on Twitter. It's just so hard to do. If anyone has any Twitter tips or like just wants to take over our Twitter, just let me know. Like I'm over it. I don't like being on there. So <laughs> If you love our show, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. If you really love our show, head over to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast to donate to the show and get bonus episodes and newsletters and discounts on merch. If you want discountless merch, head over to www.etsy.com slash shop slash keepitweirdpodcast and grab yourself a shirt or a hoodie or a tote bag or a button or a baby onesie or even a necklace. As for our sign-off this week, I wrote my own quatrain, and guess what, Nostradamus? Mine rhymes! Two girls of the strange and unusual keep speak of ghosts, goblins, and creepity-creeps into the ears of thousands each week, sparking a love for the spookiest treats. Have a great week, guys, and keep it weird! I was like patiently waiting for it to arrive at my door. And it was like, what are you doing? (laughs) Shower scrubber. Just (laughs) so excited. And then I didn't get my
0: chemicals
1: in time. So I just had to look at this scrubber sitting there.
0: Lime away. Tomorrow's your day, man. It's going to be a great day.